And I want you to think about what it means for you this morning for you to change. What is it that God's doing in your life to call you to cross over into the something new that God might be calling you to do? And as we consider that, I want to bring our attention to our text today from the book of Joshua. We'll be in Joshua 1, verses 1 through 9. It's going to be a familiar text to many of you, but I ask for you to look at it through the lens of what God's calling you to do this day. This is a text about crossing the Jordan. So I invite you to read with me in your Bible or on the screens today. We'll begin with Joshua 1, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to the Lebanon, to the great river, the Euphrates, and the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, that you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord God will be with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me as we begin today? Good and gracious God, as we come into this place on this beautiful autumn morning, we give you thanks, God, that we can worship you freely in this place. And Lord, that we as a people are called to be strong and courageous no matter what challenges we may face this day or this week. So help us embrace the goodness you've given to us. And let us set aside all the sin, anything that so easily entangles, let us set aside that this morning, Lord, and focus fully on you and the call you've put upon our life today as individuals and as the church. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, before we dive into today's text, I'm going to ask you all to step into the time machine with me. Will you do that? We're going to journey back in time together this morning. Now, show of hands, 
How many of you all remember a song written by Bob Dylan, or should I say the Nobel laureate Bob Dylan back in the 1960s? And the song is entitled, The Times They Are A-Changing. Who remembers this song? Okay, good. That's about half of you. Great. The Times They Are A-Changing. I remember this song, and even though it's no longer the 1960s, although some of us would like for it to be, I think Bob Dylan's words still ring true. The times, you see, they are a-changing indeed. Now, when I was a younger man, I'll tell you, I really, really liked the idea of change. I liked thinking about stepping out into the world. I was going to change the world. I was going to make it a better place. But today, as a not-so-young man, I still resonate with that idea But can I confess something to you today? Can I do that? I really like to see things change just a little less quickly. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you, choir. They got my back up here. (laughs) For example, my daughter, her name is Ashton. She is now 14 years old. And she knows everything at 14. She has one of these things, an iPhone that I'm almost certain is permanently attached to her body somehow. And she's really never without this phone. She talks to her friends on this phone until late at night, and if she's not talking, she's texting or Instagramming or doing whatever, Snapchatting. And she wakes up with this phone in her bed as her alarm clock every morning. She has just started Deep Run High School over in Short Pump. Go Wildcats! But what happened to my little girl in the pigtails? They are riding her Barbie Jeep around the backyard in circles and playing with her Hannah Montana Barbie dolls. Alas, the times they are a-changing. And my son... His name is Bryson. I mentioned him last time I was here in my baseball sermon. He's now 11 years old. 11. And i got to confess to you, man, he is a cool kid. He is so cool that I hardly ever see him anymore. He's always out and about with his friends. They're playing Xbox down the street at the neighbor's house. Or he's off with his fishing pole and tackle box to go fish with his buddies at Wild Lake. He, too, has a cell phone in his hands at all times, and he has just entered Short Pump Middle School this fall. Go Pumas! But what happened to my fishing buddy in our times, walking out to the lake with our little kayak and spending the afternoon floating around and fishing all alone, just letting our feet dangle in the water and laughing together? Alas, the times they are a-changing. Faster and faster, it seems like our world spins, our society changes. So how does God call us as believers to approach such changes? That is the question for today. Let's take a moment and consider this story of Joshua. 
and how he was called to live into and to lead people through such a great change and how they were called to cross this Jordan River. In Joshua 1, we get this beautiful snapshot here. God gives us a snapshot of what God is calling Joshua to do. And the story begins with this account. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, chose him, and said, Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, my servant Moses is dead, God said. Now then, you are to proceed to cross the Jordan. You and all these people with you into this land I'm about to give you to the Israelites. And every place where you set the sole of your feet, that is the place that I will give you. Just as I promised to Moses, saith the Lord. Now, at face value, when I read this text, I think that's pretty exciting, right? Pretty exciting. I mean, this is what Joshua and all these people have been waiting so long for. They've been out there. They've been wandering in the dusty wilderness now for 40 years. And now, now it's time to cross the river into the promised land. And that is exciting, right? The choir's nodding. They think it's exciting. Well, yes, it's exciting. But you see, they still have to make it across the Jordan. And that, that seems like an impossible task. Now, I want to take a moment for us to consider why it seemed impossible. You see, scientists have studied the Jordan River, and they know that it is 100 feet at Gilgal. And Gilgal is the place where the Hebrew people are called to cross this river. And maybe this morning you'll think about this 100 feet like the World Series. Think about 100 feet being like a baseball player running from home base to first plate. That doesn't seem too bad, right? Maybe some of you are thinking, I could do that, right? However, it seems God always has a way of doing things in such a way that no one person can have boast of doing that thing on their own. And crossing this Jordan would be no exception. You see, God by design, I think, brought Joshua and these Hebrew people to the Jordan River during the time of harvest. You can read this in chapter 4. And those who studied the Jordan River during the time of harvest tell us that the Jordan then swells to this impassable width of over one mile wide. In other words, this river is now 50 times wider than it normally would have been when the Hebrew people first arrived. And that is what made the crossing seem impossible. The Hebrew people knew there's no way we can do this on our own. We just can't do this. They needed some supernatural help. I think it's important for us to pause here 
and say, or let me ask you, isn't that exactly the way it is for us, too, at times? I mean, there's times in life, maybe when you feel pretty confident, like things are very possible, thinking, yeah, God, I got this one. I can do this on my own. And that's when that little river is more like a creek or a crick, as we called it growing up. And we simply think we can prance there across the water. We can dance across those river stones and do it all on our own strength. But then there's times in life when things just seem impossible. There's surprises and we feel helpless as if the storm is raging and those winds begin howling and the water's rising right up to our necks. And then we plead out to God and we say, I don't know what to do here, Lord. Lord, you've got to help me through this one, Lord. And if we're honest, that's how it often is for us, right? And life becomes a series of possible and impossible events. Thus, the Jordan River becomes this metaphor of some of the impossible challenges that we face. And you might face your Jordan during a time of sickness or a time of illness, or you might face your Jordan during a time of great financial difficulty or some time of unexpected family turmoil or crisis. And here's a very important point, probably the most important point of this sermon, if you can remember anything today. When you face those kind of times, God is not, God is not the author of that sickness, that disease, that time of crisis and turmoil, but crossing that impossible Jordan, it can bring us into a greater dependence upon God, upon God's goodness and grace, and we can discover possibilities we would have never seen or understood before. So the Jordan becomes this dividing line. It's a dividing line between what is impossible and then what is possible. And it is the place where we are forced to decide, are we going to trust in the living God? Or are we going to do this all on our own? You see, that dividing line reminds me of a story from my childhood. And as Matthew mentioned, some of you all might know, I grew up in Culpeper, Virginia. got to work with Burt Browning, the first pastor I worked with. But long before that, I know it's hard to believe, but I was a pretty rambunctious little farm boy there from Culpeper. So one day my mother, God bless her, she designed a special craft project that we would do together to keep me busy for maybe 30 minutes. She took a piece of white poster board, she cut it in half, and then she took out a paper plate from the cabinet, and she squeezed this good amount of blue craft paint out upon that plate, and she spread it all around so the plate became completely blue. 
Next, she rolled up my sleeves, and she had me take both my hands and press them down into that platter of bright blue paint. Then she had me take my hands up and press them down upon the poster board. And when I lifted up my hands, there were two blue handprints there. Wow, this is really cool, Mom, I said out loud. And she quickly shuffled me off to the sink before I could touch anything else. And she had me wash off my hands in the warm water there for the next few moments. And while I was over there cleaning up, my mom took out her calligraphy pen. And she inscribed these words underneath the blue handprints there on the page. She wrote, Make the most of every day, for time does not stand still. One day these hands will wave goodbye while crossing life's brave hill. Hmm. And alas, those words have proven themselves to be true. You see, in August of 1992, these hands waved goodbye to everybody there on the farm in Culpeper, Virginia. And I got to tell you today, I rarely get back there to see all my family and friends. Because like you, life's called me on to new adventures here in Richmond and beyond. And today I give thanks to God and confess to you that I am officially over the hill. You see, although I can stand up here and honestly tell you today that I still feel like I'm 18 years old, somehow, somehow... A couple of years ago, I crossed over the hill. I'm now a 40-something, as they say, right? And when I crossed over that hill, my wife, her name is Krista, family and friends, they threw me a big party, nice cake and ice cream presents, and those obnoxious black balloons. You've seen them, right? They say, over the hill. They were to acknowledge that I had officially made it, I guess. But then something else strange happened too. My hair began to become a shade lighter, particularly on the sides, and some of it has fallen out. And my wife Krista tells me that I snore just a little bit louder than I used to. And after a day of hard work out in the yard like yesterday, I find aches and pains and places in my body I didn't know existed. Anybody been there? You understand that. You see, this too is part of the journey, and it is part of journeying onward. It's part of crossing the Jordan in our lives, and we can choose to either grieve the changes that come with time, or we can celebrate each and every day, trusting that God has a special promise in this new day. And that God has something extra special waiting for us in the days to come. So the question today for you is, how are you choosing this day to live this one wonderful, abundant life you've been given? As you think about the answer to that question, let me leave you today with three quick things to encourage you as you cross the Jordans of life. First, let us sanctify ourselves to embrace the changes that life brings our way. 
In Joshua 3, 5, we read, Then Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow, tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And to sanctify simply means to make holy. It means to set apart as sacred, to consecrate, to purify or free from sin. In other words, folks, it really means to claim who you are. That you are made in the image of God. That you're this beautiful mixture of dust and divinity. You're God's own handiwork. And you must believe that the God of great things has wonders in store for us. And I think this week, you can begin to sanctify yourself by turning off that 24 cable news. Oh boy, now he's preaching. Putting down the cell phones and spending time with God, with God's Word, and with God's people. Let us believe that God's got good things in store for us and we will discover those good things. Second, let us have a vision of something greater. Here's a good question for you to struggle with this week. Do you still believe that your best days are still ahead of you? Do you believe that? You see, no one lets go of what they have unless they've called a vision of something greater. Let me say that again. No one lets go of what they have unless they've called a vision of something that is greater. Moses had a vision of something greater right over that hillside. Then Joshua had a vision of something greater than that. Then Joseph had a vision of something greater. Then Jesus had a vision of something even greater that he called the kingdom of God. And in Hebrews 12 we read, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Something greater. What is your vision for your life today and your legacy for the life to come? And third and finally... Let us trust God's timing, and let us be willing to wait upon the Lord. When Joshua and the Hebrew people were preparing there on that rocky bank to cross the Jordan, they were instructed to let the priests go first, because they would be carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the Lord God right there in their very midst. And as they prepared that ark for the crossing, they were instructed, there shall be a space between you and it, and it shall be about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you may go, for you have not passed this way before. Did you catch that? Did you hear that? There has got to be a space between you and it, the Scripture says. We must learn that God's time is not always our time. God's ways are not always our ways. However, 
God is right there in the midst, and God will make a way, and we will cross that Jordan at just the right time, at just the right place. So maybe today you're ready. You are ready to cross that Jordan of some challenge, of somebody you've got to forgive that you haven't wanted to forgive, of some place of difficulty. And if that's you, then let me leave you with the words of one of my favorite hymns. I promise you, choir, I will not sing this, but maybe you can. It goes like this. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye for Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. Then the chorus, I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? Because I am bound for the promised land. And folks, that is good news from God for us. We are bound for this promised land beyond the stormy banks, beyond all the challenges of this life. But, let me caution you. We cannot simply long for heaven over there, but we must rejoice that Jesus promises to bring heaven to us in the here and the now. Remember that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? How's it go? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, we will cross the Jordan sometime later. But now, let us continue to love one another in the here and now. And let us serve as the hands and feet of Jesus the Christ in this church, in this county, in this state, in this world, and in doing so, we will help God's people face the challenges, the storms of life, and we will claim God's